You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode number 355, we're discussing Shazam! Fury of the Gods. I'm on your host, Tim. And I am Ian. Ian, welcome back, my brother, here for another movie review, this time from the DC side of the comic book movie field. But, man, before we get into talking about Shazam! Fury of the Gods, a little bit about the box office movie itself, it's been a minute here since you've been back on. You've been busy, man. How you doing? Good. Yeah, all good. As awesome. I said, like I've been, yeah, been a bit busy with, uh, with work, but you know, extra work means extra money. Extra money means more toys. So yeah, it's all good. All, yeah. all good. And, uh, this week's been a bit of a, a, quite a week for me. So it's been nice catching up on a bit of nerd content, comic books, movies, uh, TV shows, and yeah, great to, to be back on the podcast. Yeah, man. Well, it's great to have you back here. I'm excited to talk about Shazam! Fury of the Gods. It's It's been an interesting couple of weeks watching this movie roll out, watching the initial reactions and the hype build a little bit, and then it really gets feet knocked out from underneath it with a less than stellar debut, a less than expected debut at the box office. And that's the stuff we're going to get into here in just a minute. But before we do that... We got to just get our, our initial impressions out here. This is something that we do from time to time, just to kind of uncork the pressure, if you will, about our thoughts on this film. So we're going full spoilers here, guys. If you've not seen the movie, either pause or just run with us here, because I got to say that I think this will be showing up on Netflix in the not too distant future. But Ian, talk to me about your viewing experience here and your first thoughts here on Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Uh yeah, well, it's a it's an interesting one. I think this one's a little bit similar to the last review we had with Quantumania. There's things that I really liked, and there's things that I I didn't like as as much. Um, just going into this, like I wasn't a big fan of the first Shazam movie, and I I did think that was gonna have a big, um, effect on how I I took I took this movie. Uh, I I was never really into the first Shazam movie. The humor in it. Um, the way that Shazam is portrayed in it, it wasn't really for me. And I wasn't really that excited to go and watch this movie. And I felt the reason, the only reason I really went to, uh, to go and see it was just because to kind of keep up with the, the discourse and what everyone else was going to say about it. Um, and I heard good things. Like there were good things coming out on the internet about it in the, uh, you know, initial reactions. So, yeah, I went to go and watch it, and it was really surprising, man. Like, I went on day one, uh, premiere day in Japan, and I walked into the cinema, and I was the only person in there. And I thought, like, this is this is crazy. Like, am I going to be the only person watching this? And in the end, like, two other people, only two other people came into the screening. Now, this is Japan, so it's a little different. But, um, you know, I've never seen that before. You go to a Marvel movie day one. Uh, most DC movies, you know, went to see the Batman day one. It was sold out. So it was really surprising. And yeah, I mean, initial opinion of it, like I had fun with it. I was entertained. Um, there were things that I did like about the movie. Uh, but 
for me, it wasn't a great movie. Um, you know, I'd just say it's kind of very straight, mediocre. Enjoyed it, but I probably wouldn't necessarily rush to watch it again. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's interesting because, like you said, there's a lot of a lot of positive vibes coming out out of the content of the film, and I like you went into the movie theater. I went now, mind you, it was a Monday night. <laughs> I went to the movie theater and I was the only person in there right up until the last of the trailers rolled and then two people walked in. And this was like a 300 plus person movie theater and I was the only one in there. And mm-hmm. so I went at kind of a weird non-optimized time because that was the only thing that would fit or only time that would fit into my schedule. But it did feel weird walking in and, and no one being in there. And it's weird that you had a very similar experience. And now I think there's people on the other side of things that had very busy theaters and, you know, lots of audience interaction. But it is a bit of a telltale, I think, with regards to how much of the GA is coming out to this. Mm-hmm. Um, because we spoke a lot, and I spoke on Twitter about the concept of the the base coming out and supporting these in the, that first weekend. And that was why Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, had $100 million in its opening weekend because there's a strong Marvel base. And Shazam Fear of the Gods here, the base came out, not a whole bunch of GA came out to support this or to watch this film. And a lot of that is being chucked at the marketing. I have some questions about that that I'm going to throw at you a little later. But for me, my watching experience, I enjoyed the first Shazam movie. And I think the parts that I enjoyed, I really enjoyed. And the parts that I didn't enjoy as much just kind of fell flat for me. This movie was very, very similar in that aspect. The family mm-hmm. stuff, the Shazamly, the kids, the whole dynamic around the the mom and dad and all the kids and them coming together and being this this family that comes from very different parts of life and this idea of of family and bringing it all together. I loved that stuff. I thought that was mm-hmm. Sean fantastic. That is by far the highlight of the film for me. And I think the yeah. highlight of this franchise and something that is is not found in many other comic book movies. This one really uniquely stands out from that piece is that the ensemble is made up of, of children to a degree, yeah. at least in the first one, especially less so in this one, uh, they lean more into the adults on this one. And I, I think this is, this is a very strong ensemble piece when they are on screen. Yeah. On the flip side of it, when you have the villain stuff, and a lot of the CGI pieces, it feels very generic to me. It feels very much like we've seen this before. We've seen the building smashing. We've seen the big monsters. I was honestly, through the majority of the film, when the villains were there, I was like, all right, I've seen enough of this. Can we just get back to the family? Can we just get back to the kids? And elaborating a bit more on this abandonment theme that is run through here with Billy Batson that, that gets kind of explored, but... Not really. I think yeah. that it's missing that piece of it. The heart of it was pushed aside for the spectacle of it, if you will. Yeah, well said. I think that's exactly uh, where I stand with this movie. Um, you know, I think overall they had some good things. There was some good action in there. Um, I really liked the mythology element that they brought into it with the the kind of creatures the cast were kind of mostly good throughout it. And there was some humor that I do think did hit. There was some parts where I did laugh a little. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, yeah, the, the main uh, strong, strong point was the, the family element. And, you know, that opening scene, you know, when they're on the bridge and they're working together, I loved that, man. Yeah. As soon as that started, I watched that scene and it, it, they come together and, they, you know, that's in the trailer where they all kind of 
come together in their group. Man, I got like chills. Like I had my I had goosebumps. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm am I really gonna enjoy this movie? Like this Shazam movie, and I felt like that kind of that arc quickly got dropped. Mm-hmm. You know, they revisited it sometimes, but it was never really explored. And I think this could have been a really good movie if that was the whole idea of them exploring the family element and the element of them being the idea of them being children with superpowers and, you know, what issues that can bring and how each of them have different issue, issues to tackle based on the age that they are. You know, one person's going to go to university. Uh, Billy's in a family, but like he's going to age out. Um, you've got someone who's very young. Um, someone who's kind of not popular and picked on at school. And I think that's that that's a really good idea. It's something that's very unique. And I think if that was a movie that they they made and they just focused on that element of it, them dealing with having superpowers but being children and then also being a family and having to work together as a family, but at the same time exploring their independence and being mm-hmm. their own people. Um I think that would be so interesting. It'd be so good. And it'd have a lot more heart. It'd have, uh, you know, it'd be a lot more interesting. But I feel like that arc, that idea, they tried it, but they they kind of quickly dropped it. And then as soon as it went to the very kind of generic action scenes, and especially when it focused on uh, Shazam, Mm -hmm. uh, Zachary Levi, I was, I kind of started to lose interest in those scenes. Um, My favorite scenes in this movie actually probably didn't even star Zachary Levi. And I think that's kind of a big issue considering he is the star of, of the movie. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it, I like the threads that you're pulling on there because I'm feeling a certain way. And I, you know, often at times as we talk these things through stuff will start to percolate through the mind and you kind of start to, to realize either aspects that you really enjoyed or you didn't, or things that, that you're, you're starting to see a bit clearer now. And, you know, as you're talking through that, that first action set piece was probably the best in the whole, whole movie. And, yeah. <laughs> and they, they kind of tease you with a bunch of these elements, like you said, like with Freddie and what he's dealing with, like, to be honest with you, Freddie is a bit more of a focal point from his battle between being a child and being a superhero and having those two concepts cross over because they're very different for him right he's like this stud as a superhero and he's this this kid that that is very excited that a girl is finally talking to him Mm -hmm. in in his and so that it's a it's a weird that the lens is put so much on him because to be honest with you the actor asher angel that plays billy batson he is i'd call it a glorified cameo in this movie yeah he is yeah he's barely in this movie and that was a bit shocking to me because it was, I don't know what the exact split was in Shazam one, but there is a much better split between that. And so that emotional context that you're trying to get from Billy and him aging out is all presented for the most part with him being Zachary Levi, this grown ass man. Mm-hmm. And so you don't feel that as much. You don't feel as much of some of the, the kids issues that they're dealing with. Cause the kids are barely in the movie and that and that aspect is what i wanted more of and like you yeah. kind of were saying there about the development and their struggle yes we got that struggle and that try to grit or come to grips or come to reality with being a superhero as a kid with Shazam and Billy Batson in the first movie but we just got introduced to the Shazam at the end and there's a whole bunch to deal with there yeah. um then i was thinking as i came out of the movie and through it today how how can you make a movie without a villain? Like, could you have made this movie and just had them exploring 
their powers and creating a bit more of friction inside of the Shazamly because as Zachary Levi is trying to pull the family together, it's not because of friction. It's just because they all want to be a bit more independent and have lost interest a bit. But it feels like this should have been more of like a Shazamly movie, more holistically in narrative and plot and yeah. less about Zachary because it does focus on, on Shazam, but I, I don't feel they did as much as they could have with that character because of the lack of, of Billy Bats, the lack of the 18 year old or 17 year old kid actually being in this film. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me wonder, like, I don't know if they thought maybe they're not going to get a third movie. So you, they were kind of rushing towards something and they kind of tried to fit too many different arcs and ideas into, into one movie. Um, you know, you, you brought that idea of not having a villain. And I think, a main villain. I, I think that would be something that would be quite interesting and something that would be quite different mm. that you, we just don't see. We always have to have that main villain. And, you know, you watch like animated superhero shows and sometimes you don't have one main villain. You know, you might have a team of people and it's about them and you might have side villains that they fight during the movie, mm. but it doesn't have to be like one main villain. And the thing is that they gave us these main villains in this movie. And to be honest, a lot of what they were going for I, I, I don't even know what was happening sometimes. Like, you know, are they bad guys? Like, you know, first they go in, into this museum and kill all these people. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, like, um, Helen Mirren's character is, is like, she's, she doesn't kill people later on. She's like, you know, she keeps letting people go all the time. And, you know, she's then jumping from one side. Yeah, I'm bad. No, I'm not. Yeah, I'm bad. And then Zegler's character, like, she's great, but like, she's, she's not, evil at all um and then you end up with the one leftover who has very little depth uh she's not very interesting you know lucy lou i love lucy lou as as an actor but you know i don't think there was anything interesting about that villain and i don't really know why they took it in that direction of being a very generic one hero versus one villain kind of story um, and as you said, like, I just wanted to see them all as superheroes. Like, I just felt like they took away their powers. And that was a plot point just so Zachary Levi could have his mm -hmm. time to shine. Um, and I just don't think that was necessary. I think he could have. He could have shone as a leader of the team. You know, yeah. you know, they could have had him and all of them together. And he brings them together to achieve something, something great. And I think that's another big issue with this movie was the fact that, like, you know, they continue to play on this idea of him being a child. But he doesn't he doesn't come across as Billy Batson at all. You got Billy Batson's a 17, almost 18 year old boy. And in the time that we see him has quite mature conversations and seems very normal for for his age. Mm -hmm. But then as soon as he becomes Shazam, he turns into this child where he's acting ridiculously stupid. He's cracking jokes all the time. You know, it was very kind of sketch comedy-esque. Like, I I just I just felt very disconnected from Shazam and, and these children. Like the the character that I had seemed like a very different person. Mm -hmm. And he didn't when he was Shazam, he didn't seem to be dealing with these issues that the the teenage version of him was dealing with. He didn't show any of the same mannerisms or any of the same, you know the way he spoke so it to me it just felt very strange i felt that certain characters in the family actually did it better like you know megan good 
as I know we didn't get to see her that much, but I felt like she and the little girl that she was playing were almost exactly the same. Yeah. Like they they felt like the same person. And all all of them did, because even you look at um Freddie Freeman, is it Freddie Freeman? Mm-hmm. Freddie, yeah, Freddie Freeman. I, I love his jump because although not acting exactly the same, the the confidence in him, the confidence that in is in his his dialogue and mm-hmm. less so in his physical stature and appearance shines mm-hmm. through in in Captain Everything or Every Power, whatever it is. Yeah. And and so that I love that piece of it. Like I Freddie's arc in this is it's he doesn't go far, but his ability to kind of grab you, like Jack the what is it, Jack Dylan Grazer, he he's fantastic in this. And yeah. the jump to the guy that was on the OC, whatever his name is. Adam um, Brody, yeah. Adam Brody. Like I love that that dynamic and that kind of yin and yang where the confidence that the kid exudes verbally is now physically embodied. And yeah. that that's a really cool parallel that they do. And then the whole team, everyone has kind of a quirk about them. There's like yeah. a really smart kid and he's the one exploring all the doors. Yeah. Um, there's, there's really big elements of those characters, but you're right in the fact that like Shazam, Zachary Levi is acting the same way he did in Shazam one. And they're two years beyond that. And so like, you're, it's interesting, like that maturity. Dude, piece. I think, I think he even dialed it up even more. Like yeah. I tried to watch, I put Shazam one on yesterday just to see. And I'm like, wow, like there's even a huge difference between the first movie and the second movie. Mm. He seems to have, his maturity has gone down. Like, you know, he's become crazier and he's become more of an idiot through in the second <laughs> in the second movie and i just don't really understand and like again like there's certain plot points again that they show in that movie where you know he because of his immaturity people die in this movie mm-hmm. because of the things that he did because you know he breaks that stick and he just leaves it on the floor that the staff um and some the of apple. the choices he makes and, and and he dies like uh, not he does people die for the movie but we never question that like it's like oh you know he's gonna make mistakes because because he's a kid but like i don't he doesn't seem this from the very first movie to this movie there's no lesson learned it just seems to be as soon as he becomes shazam he just turns into this idiot who makes all these mistakes and then the conclusion is that like he you know he does something to save everybody but as a character, he doesn't seem to mature. He doesn't seem to to get any better as a superhero. Mm-hmm. You know, even in the end credit scenes, he's there shooting bottles with this electric and he's getting super excited. I'm like, dude, like you've just, you've been killing dragons and and like magicians and stuff. And you're getting really excited about zapping some bottles with, with electricity. Mm-hmm. And it's like, is he ever going to mature? Is he ever going to grow up? Is he ever going to become used to his powers? and become a superhero that's you know someone that we can root for that we can um, look forward to watching well and even become the leader right because that's an element that they play with a lot in the film is him wanting to bring together and hold this family together and Mm -hmm. hold this superhero team together and so again this is elements that they play with a little bit but don't fully seem to commit to the concept of it because they maybe want to push the goofier side of it. And like, I, I like the the comedy in here. This is, this is kind of, if you're going to put yourself down into this space and 
you kind of know what's coming. I, I found some of it funny. There's some real moments in this movie where I had a good laugh. I will say a lot of them or more of them are attributed to, to Freddie Freeman's dialogue and, mm-hmm. and his approach and his acting. But overall, like I, I kind of dug that piece of it. And even with the, the Billy Batson one Roman thing, like at first I was kind of like, ah, this feels very shoehorned in, but it's very of Shazam one, like that Superman cameo. It's kind of paralleling that by not ever really showing the face. And then the payoff at the end is okay. We're going to show the face stitched on to a body double. And like, I, I apparently, I, apparently it's not a body double. Oh, yeah. I thought, I thought it was because I, so, someone posted it on Twitter and I shared it. Um, but someone actually corrected me. It's something to do with, they bring in the, the double or the stunt um, double to set the scene, to test the lighting and stuff. Mm. And then they bring in the real person. So okay. apparently it is confirmed that she was, she did appear or she was on set. I don't know how true that is. Um, they might've brought her into film that scene without the other actors and they, they dropped her in. Mm. Um, okay. I, I, yeah. I like, I like the payoff there because like I said, at first I was thinking, okay, this is kind of Billy. This is an 18 year old kid dreaming of Wonder Woman. So I dig that. And him being a superhero, okay, that gives him sort of the the icebreaker. And so I like that piece of it. And I thought it was kind of cheeky the way that they approached it with the shot, with not seeing her head at first, never seeing mm-hmm. her face. And then the great payoff at the end when you actually do get to see her. Yeah. Like I thought that was really that was kind of a cool, cheeky way to be like, all right, we we did this with Superman, but actually we have Wonder Woman yeah. here. I, I like I did like that scene, and I think like that has come up under a bit of criticism. People are saying they threw that in there, you know, for publicity and stuff. But I, apparently, she was always she was apparently supposed to be always gonna be in it. And I think I think it really does work. I liked it. It was a really fun scene. Like I saw someone someone posted it um, on Twitter, like you know, a cam. Someone's taking a video on their phone. And I didn't notice it at the time, but like even Freddie Freeman's like he's gawking over Wonder Woman. He's super excited. And Zegler's character, Anthea, she's looking at him like with his angry, angry face. And he looks at her and he's like, makes him jump. And then he's got this like face where he's like, oh, damn, like I've made a mistake here. And I didn't even notice that in the movie. Um, but I do think it was a cool scene, just like these teenage boys you know getting super excited over over wonder woman and it, i mean it, it made sense it added something a little bit fun um to bring to bring shazam back into it. well i think it fits inside of the context of of what the movie is and what that end credit scene was with superman i think if if this was just a movie and all of a sudden she showed up like if you only have that end scene where they're like oh too bad we didn't have a god and then, like, she just strolls in without any context. Yeah, okay, that's that's shoved in there for publicity. But I didn't even know. Like, I didn't know she was in this until I got spoiled for me on Twitter. Like, that would have been a surprise mm-hmm. for me. But I thought the way they approached the first scene when he's dreaming was, like, absolutely spot on. Because it, it's th- a throwback to that Superman scene because I couldn't get Havel or Cavill in to do the camera or whatever the context of, of that, him not coming into that. So it fit perfectly and that's referenced in the film and it just made perfect sense. Like if they never showed wonder woman, I think it would have also have worked. And yeah. if like Dwayne Johnson strolled in at the end and like zapped him back to life or whatever, like we'll get into to DJ in a little bit here, but well, it's it, a bit like the peacemaker, right? The peacemaker ending where they all show up at the end and yeah. it's kind of like, you see their shadows and it's like, you know, who I, 
they just got the shadows but then yeah. it actually shows you know we actually get to see more and uh ezra and mm. I, mean, I think that's that's it's kind of a bit of fun like i i did like that element and whether it made sense or not if it needed to be in there you know that's questionable but i don't i i like that element of it being a fun addition um to the movie and it didn't you know it didn't sway the movie in any other way like it didn't make me want to go and see the movie more because she was in it for that one moment Absolutely she didn't not. made a massive impact it didn't change anything she didn't fight the villain and take over or steal the show um you know it was done in, it was done in a good way it's done in a, a kind of fun well it's fun a fun anyway. connected universe aspect of it or like this universe is is on its last legs here but those are the type of cameos and those are the type of of like shazam has been really good at that and those like about including that making those references talking about batman and aquaman and wonder woman and these type of things and like that what that what makes it exciting about being part of a connected universe is like any of this stuff can happen. And, and I love that aspect of it. And even the end credit scenes where you get, what is it? Amelia and, and John or whatever his name is coming in and talking about the justice society and like all those connected universe elements, I think are well done in this movie. They don't overshadow mm -hmm. anything. And some of them are cheeky and some of them are kind of spot on. And yeah. I, I think it all kind of works. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Feeling overtired? Me too. But did you know that overtired isn't just a common feeling that we all have? It's also a podcast. It's a podcast that covers an eclectic range of topics in the most real, raw way possible. Christina, Brett, and Jeff have got you covered on almost everything as they chat each week about things like tech and programming, mental health, music, great apps for your iOS, Mac, and Windows. And they also managed to sneak in the odd reference to Taylor Swift. Follow their personal life journal, get some great advice, recommendations, and have a laugh along the way. If you add any new podcasts to your must-listen list, this is it. Find Overtired wherever you listen to podcasts or over at overtiredpod.com. There's been a lot of talk online uh, about the absence of, of Black Adam and absence of any tangible connections to that movie, given that Black Adam is of course, kind of the main villain for Shazam. I'm not super familiar with the comic books and all that, but they, their origin is relatively similar. The wizard plays a part in all of it. Um, there's just recently came out and Zachary Levi confirmed it on Twitter. There's been a bit of, bit of fighting here. We get to actually see Black Adam versus Shazam on Twitter, not in real life, but on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but the, that Dwayne The Rock Johnson refused to have Zachary Levi cameo at the end of Black Adam, he refused to take part in this. And he even tried to stop Justice Society members, apparently, from partaking in the end credit scene. So whether it had been Hawkman or whomever that would have showed up to say like, hey, Shazam, why don't you come with us? They they Now they include kind of Amanda Waller's gang or the Peacemaker gang or whomever you want to call them. They come in and they seem to be the most connected tissue through all this. And so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put something out here like i know that people are kind of all over the rock about him not being a team player and all this and to be honest with you from day one dwayne johnson said i'm coming for superman and from day one he has very much said that you know dc is gonna be mine and he made a play he made a business play for dc and he said i'm not focusing on anyone but superman i'm going for the biggest dog he's going for the wrestlemania fight He's not doing some undercard thing. And he made a play and it didn't, it didn't pan out. It didn't work. But I have to say, I don't think this movie 
would have been any better. Like you'd have to have a completely different movie if you're going to include Black Adam in this. Like if there mm-hmm. are two standalone films, Dwayne Johnson being in this in any aspect of it really, other than maybe a cameo at the end, I don't think it changes this movie. I don't think it changes what this movie does. I don't think it changes the trajectory of the franchise, but it just provides a connected tissue. But I think having the Waller gang, Amelia and John in this, I think that provides enough of a link to Black Adam to say, okay, this stuff's connected. We're going to get this down the road. We're not, we don't need this. We don't need Dwayne Johnson. We don't need Shazam meeting right now. That's Mm -hmm. for down the road. That's for a sequel. That's for the trilogy capper. But like, so I'm not seeing the huge issue with rock, not being a team player right now. Mm -hmm. I think down the road, it might've turned in like, okay, why haven't these guys like even seen each other crossed over? But I think right now there's, there's enough of a link there. Like between, like I said, the wizard and the the Waller kid or Waller kids and all this kind of, to me, it works like not having black Adam in this or any, major mention of him or reference to him or reference to the events of black Adam. Is that a problem for you inside of this film? Uh, no, like I think I feel the same, same way as you. I think you, you brought some really good points there. Like, you know, I think some of the arguments are that, you know, it's that they, he should have appeared in it at some point or, you know, not having them together, um, you know, really hurt this film. And I don't think so, you know, if you look back at other superhero stuff, like it takes time to to develop that kind of thing. And it could be a case of them, you know, meeting up and, and even going at it in the future, in, in the future movies. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way, you know, end credit scenes as well. Like it's an end credit scene. Like now we're looking forward to end credit scenes more than the movies themselves. Well, that's it, right? And like that's you know, a problem. So- like, well, so with Black with Black Adam, like, you know, everyone's waiting for that super Superman moment at the end. And, you know, it just, it takes away from everything that you watched before. If you, that's the only thing that you're looking forward to. So just to have Black Adam appear at, at the end um, would be a bit weird. I think that, that like, I, I don't like to comment on it mainly because I don't know the full story. And I don't mm-hmm. think anybody knows the full story. You know, if I was DJ and, you know, I, I want to be a big name or want to be successful, you know, maybe I would try and be at the the forefront of things and, and try to be the main character and you know i'm not gonna you know be angry at the guy for doing so i think the the, the main concern is that like he him going around saying that like he he's a big dc fan and like you know he this is what he wants he wants you know this these these movies to be big and successful and you know he cares about the comic books and stuff um and then to stop people appearing in the movies I think is a little strange, you know, people are saying it's because he wanted to be the main character and he wants to be at the front of all things. And, you know, he wants to be the guy who fights Superman and he doesn't want to be seen as a villain and, and stuff like that. But you, we don't know. We don't know that. I don't no. think anybody can, can say that's the real thing. You know, even, you know, people criticizing what he said on, on the red carpet at the, I think it was at the Academy Awards. Uh, and, you know, he's still trying to fight for his movie. You know, he's just saying that, you know, the critics, the audience really liked it and the critics didn't. And that happens. And, you know, he's, he compares it to like a sports team or something. And, you know, people are, are kind of hitting him for that. But 
end of the day, it's kind of true. The audience score actually is quite high. And even though I didn't really like Black Adam, a lot of people did like mm -hmm. that movie. Uh, and again, like, I don't think the critics are wrong. Like, sometimes people are really angry at critics on the other side of things, thinking they're hating on things. And I think critics, of course, analyze things differently. You know, I'm more with the critics with the Shazam movie and the Black, Black Adam movie than, you know, a lot of the people in, in our community. Uh, and I think, you know, you've got to, yeah, of course, you've got to make up your own opinions about these things. But like with with him, it's it's a difficult one. Like, I don't really know the full story. I don't think we can criticize him for making his own his own play to to kind of head things or to, to control the narrative at DC. Um, and as like, as I said, like putting them having people in in a in critic scene it's not really going to change anything to be honest it's not going to be a big it's not a deal breaker it's not going to change the quality of the movie so yeah i don't know yeah and like like you said there's a lot of conjecture we don't know the full story of all this and and but like i can see the mindset and i can see where it, he was wanting to go and this also is an issue because there was such a power vacuum at dc and DJ, he made a play for the studio to a to degree and kind of drew a line and said, this is where I want to be. This is the people I want to work with and went from there. And that was at a time that, that was years ago. You have to remember when they first started using the hierarchy of power is about to change. That was in 2020. And here yeah. we are in 2023. And so the, these are our are, are moves and shifts that he was making when that universe still had a line of sight to developing to something bigger. And so you have to remember that those decisions were made in the context of that power vacuum of changing times, this well predated James Gunn coming in and well predated a lot of the, the issues that eventually led to the changing of the guard at DC and kind of this blank slate being being wiped clean or the slate being wiped clean and starting anew with all of this and these, this franchise kind of ultimately coming to an end. And I, I see the issue if he didn't want to be a team player, but I also can see why he approached it in the way he did. And that, you know, you might criticize, well, Shazam isn't good enough for you. Well, I see it coming down the road, right? Like the, the Superman fight was going to happen. And the, like, I said before, like there's enough tangible links in here to be like, oh yeah, like that wizard was here and he was also in Black Adam and the concepts are are somewhat the same. And then you see some of the same characters like like Nick Fury bouncing around the MCU at the start. It wasn't like, you know, wasn't Thor, like they make appearances, but it wasn't Robert Downey Jr. showing up in every single film and and inviting people over and all this. And so like, it's, it's usually those smaller characters that eventually kind of are the glue, your Colson's right. Your Nick Fury's that kind of pull this thing together when you're talking about a connected universe. But I, I don't think the film would have, that wouldn't have moved the needle at all. Even if black Adam was a billion dollar film, I don't see it moving the needle substantially on this. Um, no, dude, like we had, we had, they put Superman into to Black Adam and it didn't make any difference. Mm -hmm. Like having Black Adam at the end of Shazam. I mean, I think the the idea that a lot of people that, that's kind of being presented is the fact that like he wouldn't let any of the other characters. I think he was going to have Hawkman and someone else appear at the end of Shazam. And he wouldn't let any of the characters from his movie appear. And I think maybe that's a little bit of a strange 
thing because that would imply that he doesn't ever want those two movies to come together. And but that, I don't. Again, I don't know how true that is, and I I don't know if he has the power to even to make that decision. Like, well, and know. like he he came he comes with a brand. He's the most powerful marketing tool in Hollywood. But not anymore, not anymore. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but apparent. But it looked like to me that he had a very particular vision for the justice society as well. And those characters. And so you have to remember too, like this movie was done and dusted like years ago. And so those decisions were made in, in a different time. And so I, I think there's, there's more to come out of this and like, ultimately it doesn't matter because <laughs> this universe is, is being kind of folded in, in a couple of months here at the flash. But yeah. it, it's, it's interesting to, to see some of this being, fleshed out and aired out online and you're seeing some of this but i think it, it ultimately doesn't change a whole bunch for me in this film itself i think like we said that the the this film has a very strong point in this film and it never should have been shazam versus black adam this film should have been more of the shazam league. like that's that's where the strengths are 100 um, if the and- if it was a shazam black adam movie like I mean, the fact that Black Adam movie by itself didn't do that well, and if it was a straight up, if we didn't get the Black Adam movie and it was Shazam versus Black Adam, like again, it, it, I, you know, people are looking for reasons why these movies aren't doing well, and you know, I I don't think it's anything to do with you know the, these decisions that they're making. You know, I think these are maybe characters that are just less familiar with people. Um, the first Shazam movie just wasn't as popular as people like uh, some people love it and a lot of people don't like it. And I think it's not really, you know, people are starting to point the finger at certain people and saying like, this will be more successful. It did, did this or did this, or if they're this person. And I don't think that's the case. Like, I think the Shazam movie to me, Shazam two and black Adam, of course, is the evidence there that you know it's time for a very hard reset let's start again Mm -hmm. you know let's let's leave this all behind and let's take our time develop it and move towards something fresh something new under you know a new creative team Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's interesting kind of your point about the you know, sorry to ask the questions about why this movie wasn't successful. It did thirty million dollars at the box office. It did thirty million dollars, I believe, globally. So it or internationally, so sixty million dollars globally, which is very, very low. And there's a lot of questions about why this movie hasn't been successful. You know, we talked about Ant Man of the Wasp before. There's this concept. You know, are we are we running into superhero fatigue? Are we running into these movies? shifting and us no longer or Hollywood no longer seeing them as like the pillars that are holding up the, the box office anymore. You know, was it the marketing that failed this movie? And there's questions around that. There's questions around this position where it was put in the release schedule. And when I step back and look at things from kind of almost like a corporate perspective, the marketing, ultimately, I think the best thing they could have probably done is spun this thing on its head and marketed it as a Shazamly movie. Mm-hmm. And you get all the, the CGI and the punchy punchy stuff is kind of the, the add-on pieces that the, don't even touch on that in the marketing. Pitch us as a full-fledged family film that deals with difficult family dynamics about families going their own ways, people growing up, 
this concept, right? And trying to hold on to that element, that family element, play into that. I think if you had done that, you might have oversold the movie because it, it misses on some of that a little bit as far as the depth and, and scope that they go into. Um, but I also asked the question online, okay, let's assume that DC dumped $25 million more million into the advertisement, put this on more billboards, uh, bigger Super Bowl ad, all these type of things. Would that have translated into a $50 million debut at the box office? I don't think so. I don't That's, think so. You have So you have to look at like invested dollars on all this stuff. You could have bumped $100 million into this thing. It probably still would have done relatively the same. And like I mentioned, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is the biggest or was the biggest marketing tool in Hollywood. And the debut of Black Adam was around $67 million. And so I don't think any amount of marketing is going to move the needle substantially on this. And I think that's why that DC didn't pump a ton of money into marketing. Like they get, it had an, a, and I believe a, a Grammy award thing. It had a bit of a Super Bowl thing. It was on like AEW dynamite, the wrestling show. It was all over their mats and all this kind of stuff. So like there was advertising out there to different groups of people and there was TV spots and the trailers. And so I wouldn't say it was under marketed, maybe not marketed in the right way, but ultimately I don't think that changes much in the scope of, of what this movie does. And you look at the release schedule, honestly, this is a WB Q1 release. That's why it sat in this space. Black Adam was a Q4 release, October of 2022. Mm -hmm. If you look at WB's release slate for Q1 of 2023, this is the only tentpole film outside of creed but creed is not a four quadrants movie this is the only large four quadrant movie that wb had in q1 that is why it is stuck in this slot there's a lot of arguments about okay it maybe it would have done better in december or maybe it would have done better elsewhere probably but wb likely has a quota or something to meet where they need a film that has potential at least to do relatively high numbers or is viewed by investors as having potential you know in the absence of a strong q1 film release maybe it doesn't happen like q2 is going to be the flash and then you you cascade out into other things and so there's i think a lot of contextualization with regards to kind of the wb side of things when it comes to to shazam invested dollars versus return on dollars these type of aspects i think definitely weighed into this unfortunately falling victim to the circumstances of WB to the circumstances of a new DCU. But ultimately this universe ending, I don't think factors into it either. I don't think yeah, anyone in the GA I I, knows. I think it's, I think it's, a yeah, I, just, I honestly think it's a lot simpler. I mean, like, of course I live in, in a country, I live in Japan, you know, where some of these things are not as familiar, but you know, the Batman came out, people ran to see that movie. It doesn't matter when it comes out. Like mm -hmm. people really rush to go and see that movie. Shazam, like I said to my wife that I'm going to see Shazam, and she knew about the movie. You know, she'd seen the trailers. She knew about it. And she just said, oh, really? Are you interested in Shaz Shazam? And she said that to me. And like, I just, I think there's, I think it's a lot simpler than, mm -hmm. than that. Like my wife doesn't know that this, this, 
DCU existing stories is being scrapped. It's it's resetting. She doesn't know that. You know, she doesn't know about any of, she doesn't know so much about all the past stories or what's the controversy and things like that. But there just hasn't been that interest there because she's not familiar with the characters. There hasn't been much of a build to any of these characters like we might see, say, in the, the MCU. You know, she never knew about a lot of Marvel characters, but like, you know, from the early days of watching some of these movies and how it's kind of slowly progressed and she kind of fell in love with these characters, it piques her interest in these movies. But I, we just haven't seen that kind of progression um, through, through these movies. And especially when they're unfamiliar characters with a lot of people, it's just, it's not working, I think, for the general audiences. That's all. There's characters to fall in love with in this film. Like the whole Shazamly, the mother, father, that there's a huge swath of characters to fall in love with here. And I personally am there. Like I'm connected and I want to see more. But it's just, it was never fully bought into. The story never fully embraced that aspect of it. The marketing never fully embraced that aspect of it. And so I think that it doesn't give you the opportunity. You see buildings falling, a giant dragon. It works in some contexts, but if I'm being 100% honest with you, the only reason I saw this movie in film is so we could talk about it today. Exactly. I, was, I dragged exactly. my ass to the theater on Monday night at 8.10, exhausted to see this. I would have just waited to Netflix. And like, does that make me a, a, a bad pop culture enthusiast or whatever? I don't know. I just, I honestly had no interest in this. But I, I've also, I didn't see Thor Love and Thunder until like, I saw it because I had to. I ran mm. to Wakanda forever. I ran to the Batman. I sprinted as fast as I could every night or every Wednesday to see Peacemaker. Mm -hmm. So there's certain properties that grab your attention and there's certain properties that don't. And like you said, yeah. the simplicity of it is there. This box office return is just a reflection in people's general interest. And I just think it shows that there's a much smaller DC fan base right now than your Marvel fan base. You can criticize Ant-Man and the Wasp all you want, it made $100 million this opening weekend. There's still a substantial fan base going out and seeing that film. And we went through kind of all like very similar discussions about there's elements in there that work, but then there's a whole bunch of stuff that just doesn't feel right. And that's mm -hmm. kind of where I'm at with all this, with this movie in particular. There's, there's honestly, there's some superb elements of this movie. I think so too, yeah. And there's some stuff that's just kind of like, I don't really care about this, to be honest. Can, with can you. I ask? Can I ask you a question about the movie, which I had a discussion about online, which it didn't get heated, but it got a little. It went a little bit weird. Um, how do you feel about the romantic relationship between Zegler's character Anthea and uh, Freddie Freeman? I, I liked it. Like I thought. To me, it kind of it worked in the way it was supposed to work, and I, I got I got a bit of criticism online for knocking it in a way that like she's six thousand years old, so she's older than any grandma, <laughs> and she's in love with a seventeen year old boy. <laughs> well, that's that's referenced in the film. Like the dad's like, ah, is this well, like yeah, he's the, and they say like that. Yeah, now it seems a bit inappropriate, but then they continue with that storyline. 
And I don't know why. I don't know why I thought about it. But like at the end of the movie, when they're like holding hands under the table, I'm like, oh my god, that's a bit. That's a bit weird, man. <laughs> like, if it was an old dude in a kid's body dating a kid, <laughs> everybody would have issues. <laughs> but when it's an old woman in a kid's body dating a kid everybody's okay with it and yeah. i was just like i don't know man like you know i never if really my thought... mate, if my mate started dating my grandma i'd be kind of pretty freaked out you're, by you're that. under just... your underage mate <laughs> yeah my underage mate yeah like you're a teenager in school so <laughs> I, I, I didn't really think that deep into it like when you, and i i caught the reference in the in the movie i guess the way i the leap i made was like I guess she got her powers back. Cause it's like, Oh, when she loses her powers, she just becomes a 17 year old girl herself. And like, that's it. Like, but that's not really how it was ever framed up. And so, yeah, it's kind of weird. I don't know. Is it any weirder than, <laughs> than Wonder Woman, like taking over that, that, that body. And then, Oh, uh, but no, nah, but that's, that's, that's the worst. Or no, it's, that was, I mean, yeah, it was, yeah, it was different. <laughs> not Wonder that's, Woman. But, uh, but, but that was what, that was Wonder Yeah. 84. That was, that was actually a crime. <laughs> but, this is a crime but, in some parts of the world oh well yeah it's true it's, it's a crime it's a crime in most parts of the world to be honest <laughs> so i don't know i didn't really think think too much of it to be honest with you but like the the i to be honest with you i was really disappointed when she was a sister of atlas mm. i thought it was i thought the that dynamic that they had before we found out that she had powers and she could do all this stuff. I really liked that. Like I thought she was just going to be a supporting character in that, that was there specifically for the growth of Freddie Freeman, who was getting a lot of screen time. And when it flipped, I was kind of like, eh, I don't love this. Like I didn't, I don't really know much about all the lore and all that, but I, I would have preferred if she was just in in the same vein as the parents, they're, they're people that are present or bystanders that are interacting in a way that doesn't make total sense because of what's happening around them, but they fit into the story nicely because they, they serve a purpose for helping characters develop and push the, the overall yeah, it's narrative. Like a Mary, Mary Jane. What's the right? Exactly. Like like, like that. You know, someone who's, who's doesn't have to have superpowers, who's there to, to support and develop the, the main character's story and arc, but in themselves become very big, yeah characters within the story that that's what yeah. been my preference like that mary jane cue is 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 perfect because that's what i that's what i wanted her to be and it, it just and i get like to be honest with you like the concept of the villains if we can come back to this before we wrap up here i get why they're there i get why there's a dragon it's you've got these five superheroes that are arguably on a level of like a black adam or superman with strength and speed and everything like you can't just have a a common villain. They got to have something to do something where you're not like, well, why didn't they just take care of this in just like two minutes? So they're they, they're they're holding up bridges at the start and cars and and all this. And so you have to match something somewhere inside of there has to be a formidable foe. But mm-hmm. you know, taking the powers away and making the family come together in some context, which they they did a little bit, but the villains were still amped up. And so there, there, there's just a piece of it there that I just, I just don't love. Yeah. It just, it did feel like they, I think they, 
it felt like they didn't know what they were going for. They were trying a lot of different things and not, none of them really kind of hit. They didn't really get any of them down perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the end, it kind of ends up a little lacking, a little messy. As I said, like I was entertained, like I, I sat through the whole thing. The guy who's like three or four seats down from me fell asleep halfway in and started snoring. So I had to move seats. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, well, it's, it's funny because ultimately, like you said, and this is a very similar sentiment that I had, and I'm gonna might take shit for this, but coming out of Ant Man is like I was entertained. I enjoyed myself while watching this film. When mm-hmm. we step back and put the lens on uh, as the podcaster, as the reviewer, things change a little bit. This the scope of of the discussion drives you to question things that came up in the movie or didn't come up in the movie, and so. This is no way of us saying like this movie sucked or you shouldn't go see it. I, I'd go check it out, honestly. Like I know I said that I probably wouldn't have, but I probably would have waited for Netflix or whatever. But to me, there's there's just enough in there with the Shazamly to make this a, a, a go out and watch. Of course, I wanted more of it, but there's enough there. There's enough laughs that it 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 ultimately it's an enjoyable, entertaining two hours. Am I going to watch it again? In theaters, absolutely not. Will I watch it again? Maybe down the road someday. We'll see. But that's that's kind of where I'm sitting on this. I'm, I, I sound so indifferent. <laughs> it, it's almost painful for me talking here, but that's kind of where I'm at with this film. Yeah, yeah, I'm exactly the same. I think, like for me, like I will watch it again when it comes out digitally, mainly because you know for free. Um, Mainly just because like sometimes you re- revisit things and you kind of like them more and you find things mm-hmm. that you do like about them. And that happens to me sometimes, you know, I do go back to things and I do enjoy them, especially with some superhero movies. Like I actually enjoyed Love and Thunder a lot more than I did the first time, mm-hmm. um, mainly because maybe I knew what was going to happen. I didn't have those expectations. And I'm hoping that happens with with this Shazam movie. Uh, but yeah, I, I kind of knew going in, you know, I think people who did enjoy the first movie will get a lot more from this movie than maybe I would. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Zachary Levi for me is, is just like, I, again, it's probably because of my sense of humor that I've, I've brought this up before. Like, like a lot of the kind of sketch comedy and the overtop acting and the, the kind of stupidity just doesn't hit with me. And it, it can bridge on being irritating sometimes. Um, so that kind of really takes me out of it. But as I said, like a lot of the, there are parts in the movie that I did really enjoy. Uh, the whole Free, Freddie Freeman element of it, I, mm-hmm. I, I liked. And I do like that they gave him a much bigger part in this yeah. movie than maybe Billy Batson, because I guess, I'm guessing he's probably a better actor. Maybe that's probably why they went with him. And, you know, his performance was good. Um, and yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame we didn't get to see more of that family because. You know, a Shazam family movie would actually be something very new, a new idea, a new concept, and it would be something that's it's actually you you could explore so many different things with these different characters having different lives. And I think it's a shame that they didn't focus on that. And it's a shame that we'll probably never get we'll probably never get it in the future. No, it, it, that does kind of suck about it because, like, as you talk about that, the ensemble piece fit, and you, like they even use the word Avengers in at the end credit scenes here about talking about these groups and these group dynamics, and and this is so unique amongst all the teams, amongst the Justice League, Justice Society, the Avengers, 
you know, the Thunderbolts that are coming. Like th- these are all personalities that are brought together for a reason, a greater cause. Where this is unique is that this is a family that was already together, that had built their dynamic as individuals before mm-hmm. becoming superheroes. And they weren't brought together because the world needed them to come together. This was thrust upon them and they had to learn to deal with that. And that's something that is so unique that we're probably never going to get to see, at least in this in this iteration of it. And like you said, that that's kind of a bit disappointing, to be honest with you. Like a Shazam 3, Shazamly or something would have been, I think, really cool. But let's wrap it up there, man. There it is. Shazam Fury of the Gods. The next DC film we got coming up here is The Flash in June. So very excited for that one. That's got a lot Ooh. of hype behind it. And we've got Guardians before that as well, man. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, oh, early that's May. Good. That's going to be a killer. It's going to be a killer. Take your tissues. Right. Yes, agreed. For so many <laughs> reasons. <laughs> Anyways, man. Well, it's been a blast having you back on the podcast here. You're going to be back not too distant future and uh and yeah let, let's let's keep talking everything stars marvel dc and beyond if uh you'd like to be a part of these shows have any input on what we've talked about today yesterday or next week you can always email us at nerd at gmail.com you can find everything we do over the nerdroom.net and twitter you can find our handles at the end of the show but all right man well ian man always great having you back great to be here always a fun time fun discussion whether it's things we love, things not so much, it doesn't matter. Like it's nice to share our opinions and they are just opinions. That's it. Um, it's always a good time discussing anything nerd. Awesome, man. Well, appreciate it. And we shall talk to you guys all soon. And uh, with all of that being said for the nerd room, I'm Tim. I'm Ian. Thank you guys so much for entering the nerd room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net and The Nerd Room YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from The Nerd Room.